0: But what if I'm too old to be successful? What if it's too late for me to chase my dream? What if I've really missed my window of opportunity that I should have taken advantage of many years ago? Hey, if you've ever thought any of those, stick around. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we hear from a lot of people every day about the idea that maybe they missed their opportunity, should have done something when they were younger. Well, if you've ever thought that, I'm going to give you a formula for separating yourself from someone who only dreams about success to being someone who actually does it. And I'm also going to give you a framework for your stage of life. Yes, we go through stages. Yes, there are different things we want to accomplish in those stages, but I'm going to give you some guidelines for what you should be doing right now based on your age. Hey, we'll have some fun with that. You can uh, jump around a little bit, but I think that I'll help you move forward well some of the questions and I really want to spend some time on this so uh, as I move into this new year I'm getting more sense from you all the listeners that uh, you appreciate it when we have a clear theme now I'm still going to introduce questions all along certainly you know if you got a question you know you can shoot that in if you go to 48days.com/ ask Dan you can submit it there. And thank you. Lots of you are doing that. Appreciate your input. If I do use your question on the area here, I'll send you a brand new autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love, the new 20th anniversary edition. And I'm not looking for ways to get out of doing that. Believe me, Uh, if there are 10 questions in a given show that pertain to the theme that I want to develop, we'll certainly follow through on that. But today... Got just a couple that I want to address. Uh, somebody says, you don't really talk about the tech side of your podcast much, but I'm curious about what podcast hosts you use. Also, any of the information equipment that you think is best for setting up a podcast. Now, I want to address that for a couple of reasons. One, I'm happy to share what I do here, but it's not that I think everybody ought to start a podcast, but there are ways to approach when you do want to learn about a new arena, what do you do? So I'll include it because of that. And then what if I'm too old to chase my dream? So that's kind of how we're going to develop this. Quotation comes from Jim Rohn, master motivator, one of those old masters of achievement that I learned from and continue to even though he's been gone for some time now, but he said this: the greatest reward in becoming a millionaire is not the amount of money that you earn; it is the kind of person that you have to become to become a millionaire in the first place. That's that's pretty profound. You know, I just read through Dave Ramsey's brand new book, "Baby Steps Millionaires," and he, the stories in there are about people who, in fact, did become millionaires and. Largely, it's stories about not just the specifics that they did financially, but about the people that they had to become, the person they had to become. You have to think like a millionaire, act like a millionaire. And there are certain characteristics that go along with that. Anyway, fun stuff. Glad to share that. So our resource for today is, when is it too late to find work you love? And if you just go to 48days.com slash old... You will find there an overview and some resources we can draw from. All right, let's move on into some things here. Got just an update from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I always get those at the beginning of the month. So we got some stats here about December. Uh, last year being a pretty interesting year, obviously. 2021, a lot of things happened there. We had the great resignation. you know, In April, there were 4.3 million people who quit their jobs, and we thought that'll never happen again in history. Could not possibly happen. Well, guess what? In December, 4.5 million people quit their jobs. That was the record for last year. 4.5 million people quit their jobs. Now, if you hear just that, and of course this is the way news is often given, you hear just that, you think, my goodness, there's all these people just, you know, sitting on a sidewalk somewhere, just not doing anything. Fewer and fewer people are working. No, that's not true at all. So there were 4.5 million people quit their jobs in December, but there were 6.7 million new hires. So there was a positive move in terms of people working. And that, in fact, is true. In unemployment, or unemployment rose by almost 200,000 people in December. And the unemployment rate declined to 3.9%. Now, that's really low. We consider 5% to be full employment because at any given time, we're going to have some people you know, in between opportunities, looking to start new things and all that. So 5% is considered a real solid figure and certainly not something to be concerned about. We're at 3.9%. So in light of all the things that are happening out there, a lot of people are making moves. Yes, but they are making moves based on their desires, not because there aren't opportunities available. There's a whole lot of opportunities available, as you know. And yes, a lot of people are quitting because they're choosing what is it that they want to do next. Now, I got a couple of stories here I want to insert real quick just to, to give you some ideas about things that people are doing. One of those was a company called BOO, and it, was, it should have been a red flag because it's called, called Boo, but it's Black Oxygen Organics. Now what they were doing is they were packaging little bags of dirt. Now, these little bags of dirt, they were selling for $110 a piece, giving a lot of claims that this was a miracle cure for everything from cancer to COVID. I mean, the company grew exponentially. I mean, even by September, they had 21,000 sellers. They were raking in $4 million a month in sales. And they were very act, very active on Facebook, they had big groups there, a lot of big groups, uh, you know, Black Oxygen Organics. Now, this is one of those where, yes, it's a direct sales company or multi-level marketing, but in this case, uh, you could call it a whole lot of other names as well because it was discovered that there really wasn't much of any value in this dirt. They were just selling dirt. As a matter of fact, when they really did an analysis of what was being sold, scientists confirmed that just two servings, and, and they were, you know, they would recommend you put a teaspoon of this dirt in water, just shake it up and drink it, just any, anything they could to get people to use these and pass them on. But scientists confirmed that they had pretty high doses of lead in these things, and way more arsenic than you would want to be exposed to. The whole thing just went up in smoke but think about that. They had 38,000 customers. They were doing $4 million a month in sales, and they were simply selling little bags of dirt. Now, I don't recommend that. I mean, it certainly lets us be aware of how broad the opportunities are out there. And yes, there are opportunities to be disingenuous, to take advantage of people and all of those. You know, we, we, we know that when people are fearful, they're much more likely to respond to scams And uh, the phone calls that you get, gee, the IRS wants money, you have to do this. And I read one just yesterday, somebody got a call that her granddaughter was being held hostage and had her granddaughter's voice. And she proceeded to give these people $11,000 before she, for some reason, had had the idea of calling her granddaughter. Her granddaughter was perfectly fine, didn't know anything about what was going on. But people are using a lot of different tactics to get people to invest money. And certainly we want to encourage ways that you can make money. And in this time of volatility where a lot of people are quitting their jobs, there's a whole lot of people who are figuring out things that they can do on their own. Let me give you a couple of examples there. Real people, people that I know. There's a mortgage broker. So a gal who simply helps work through all the details required when somebody wants to buy a house. So she has realtors that come to her. That's how she fills her funnel. They have to choose her as somebody that they want to work with to go through the mortgage process. Well, what she did, she decided to hold an awards event this last year for the top 20 real estate agents in her city. Now think about this. Nothing complicated, no high technology. She's a mortgage broker, so she needs people to bring her buyers, people who are gonna buy houses, condos, whatever, so she can handle the mortgage. She makes her money doing that. So the previous year, she made $120,000. Not bad, you know, that's respectable for somebody in that arena. So last year, she got this idea, to hold an award ceremony so she did she had a big event lots of glass and glamour you know all the fancy kind of trimmings and all that and she awarded awards to the top 20 real estate agents in her city what if you were gunning to be number one on her list so that would give you bragging rights as a real estate agent you know even if you were in the top 10 or the or the top 20 you know, one of the top 20 real estate agents in, let's say, Knoxville, Tennessee. It wasn't that city, but I'll just use that as an example. That's what she did. She added $250,000 in personal income for last year. Now, those are real figures. She went from $120,000 to $370,000 in income. Just from doing that, I mean, it was... I had nothing scientific. She just decided to award the awards. The awards come from her. She didn't claim that they came from any kind of massive research or certified by any other organization. She just had an award ceremony. I love that story. I think it's brilliant. Everyone can come all the way down. There's so many things that people are doing right now. Uh, we have a guy I've mentioned that I put a little note out in the community that I wanted a yard beauty manager and we had about 12 people respond to that. I interviewed four of them. I asked them just lots of questions and selected a young guy. His name is Gabe, and uh, he's Gabe the Gardener now. But he's, it's kind of new for him. He has a lot of knowledge, though. And he's been around horticulture, you know, gardening for a lot of years. Interesting, Gabe was a trust fund baby until he was 33 years old, meaning he didn't have to worry about income. He had all the income that he needed, all the money, and he could just do whatever he wanted to. Think about how your life would have been different if you were a trust fund baby. And then what happened is his grandfather, who had set up the trust for him, died, and one of his uncles uh, stopped the whole thing. And so he was thrown into the real world. Imagine that, where he had to figure things out. And one of the things, that he likes being outside. You know, he likes seeing things grow. I mean, he's really knowledgeable, and he's very, very good. He was the one I selected. So he started... Working here at our house, where he removed. I mean, our house had some of the original landscaping, so it was kind of old and scraggly, and I wanted to replace it. So Joanne and I gave this guy uh, quite a bit of liberty to just do what he wanted, and so he kind of designed our place and did this really beautiful, beautiful uh, landscaping. Meaning he didn't. We knew we didn't have bulldozers that. He's just a guy in his. Uh, and an old Volvo right now, as a matter of fact, but uh, digging in the dirt and allowed him to bring in the plants that he thought would enhance the look of the front of our house. Well, here's what happened. Now he, instead of just being somebody who mows the grass, you know, who makes 18 bucks an hour, which is about what they're going to make here. No, Gabe's rate is $35 an hour which I considered to be reasonable based on what he claimed that he could do. And that's proven to be true. So he started working in our place. Here's the thing. In three months now, he's never left our cul-de-sac because the neighbors saw what he was doing here, walked over and talked to him, said, hey, I'd like to have you do work at my house. And he's right here. We have seven houses here in our little cul-de-sac. And in three months now, he's never left here because there's so much work that's just exploded here. Now, that's an idea of somebody who finds a real skill, that beautiful boy that we look for, combine your, your talent, your passion, and have an economic model that goes with it. That's all he did. Again, not complicated. He doesn't have a lot of equipment, but he also doesn't have a lot of overhead. It's just a skill that he knew he had. He responded to my... Facebook ad that I put out, I selected him based on real knowledge that he seemed to have. And now he's got this thriving little business, 35 bucks an hour. He can decide. I mean, he's not here every day. I mean, he has... Liberty to come and go to maintain now what he's put in here, but he may be here three or four hours a week. And then at some of the other houses he's established in the spring, we may want to do some major projects. I've got my my eye open on a couple areas in our yard that I really do want to develop and I'll have Gabe oversee and do that. So look for your ideas. You know, the idea that you have that would set you apart. Well, Warren Buffett says there are four choices in life that separate the doers from the dreamers. Number one, pick your friends wisely. Number two, go to bed a little smarter every day. Number three, improve your communication skills. And number four, say no. Pretty interesting, especially ending up with saying no. As you are more and more successful, you'll find more and more necessity of saying no because you can't just keep saying yes to everything at the beginning. It may feel like that. Hey, just bring it on. You know, I'll take anybody, but no, as you're more successful, your ability to say no will help you focus in on those things you do really well. The kind of customers you want to work with, the kind of work you want to do and accelerate your success. All right. Now, Aaron asks, uh, you don't really talk much about the tech side of your podcast, but I'm curious what podcast host you use. Also, any other information equipment that you think is best for setting up a podcast? Thanks, Dan, for all you do. Well, thanks for your note, Aaron. I use Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Libsyn is the host for my podcast. Now, beyond that, I don't know much about the tech. Here's here's my podcast. Here's how I how I do my podcast. Now in terms of the equipment I've got, I've got good equipment. I've got a Heil microphone. Jeez, I can look at it. Um, well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the model. I don't know anything about that. I get here. Here's how I approach this. I ask people who are experts in those arenas to give me advice. And so when I started my podcast, of course, that's been years ago, I had Cliff Ravenscraft. You all know, remember Cliff's name? I mean, I had been doing it for a little while. I had a little lapel mic. I had a $19 Radio Shack lapel mic and just the free program Audacity that I was using for my podcast. But I had a young kid who was doing the technology in the back end to upload it onto you know, the, the places that we can now get it, like Apple and Spotify and others like that he was doing that I I don't know how to do that I've never known how to do that but I did c- have Cliff set me up with the equipment that I needed now that's been updated a couple times since then and more recently Jody Smith who handles all the details for my podcast gave me he purchased for me the brand new road Roadcaster Pro that I use for, to introduce like when I want to have Uh, a sound come in. You know, if I, I do like this, you know, that's just buttons that I push. I I do all of that right here, right here in front of me. You know, I'd play the music at the beginning of the show that comes in. I just hit a button right here and do that. If I wanted to play stuck in a JLB, those are all just buttons that I push here. So I'm doing all of that. I don't have any editors or producers that are working with me when I do the show. Not at all. Um, probably because I'm too impatient. I want to have the freedom to do it when I want. Don't want to have the complexity of all that in place. So I just do it myself. But I got the Rodecaster Pro, the Jody Smith, who is our podcast producer, really, and what's done there. And you can find Jody readily. He does this service for a lot of people. So I have the Rodecaster Pro. I've got a good mic, and that's it. So when I record my podcast, I hit the record button on the Rodecaster Pro. I record my 48 minutes or whatever it happens to be for that episode. And then I upload that to Dropbox and just let Jody know that it's there. Then, and I, there are, well, there are multiple people that I let know that are there. So I have a email that goes out to Jody Smith, to Sheila Davis, who I'll tell you her role in a second, to Ashley Logston and to Clara Logston. Sheila creates the graphic that goes with it. She's the one that makes sure it's up on our website and all that. So I send it to Jody. He checks out anything that needs to be done technically on there. And usually there's really nothing that needs to be done. If there's some reason for him to go in and edit, I let him know that in advance. But 99% of the time, there's not. I just It's just recorded. He uploads it as it is. Sheila does the graphics that go with that, pulls the notes out and all. Ashley alerts our Eagles community that the podcast is up. Clara is my granddaughter, Ashley's daughter. Clara then follows up with anybody whose question I have used. She's the one that sends out the email to you all when I sent out, when I answered one of your questions and then I take those names and then I personally write a note to each of you and send out the autographed copy of the book. That's kind of it. But now my point is, Aaron, with your question, if you want to know about podcasting, yeah, find somebody who really is good in that space. Now, in our 48 Days community, we use Eric Johnson. He's the podcast talent coach, um, Eric K. Johnson. We use him. We refer to him, his information. I've actually got, we've got one of our courses is how to talk, serve, and put money in the bank. I think I got the title right, where I did a webinar on the power of podcasting as being uh, feeder for anything else you want to do in business. And I've done that at conferences. We'll be doing that again. I'm going to Podfest and then the podcast movement. So I speak on that a lot, how to use a podcast to create income in your business. But I don't go into the technical side of it. That is totally handed off to other people. When I started blogging years ago, I found somebody who worked with me on blogging. Um, when I started speaking, I had two coaches, one being how to grow your speaking business, and then another one was how to speak physically, you know, <laughs> uh, Dr., um, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said, he was, he's wonderful to work with, he really pushed me hard, but he would he would push me up against the wall, push my shoulders back, say, okay, now speak, now you're speaking from your diaphragm. He would work with me. How can I talk for three hours, which often is done like in a workshop without letting my voice go into vocal fry? I mean, those are the kind of things that he would work with me on. So I ha- I've i always reached out to people quickly when I want to get better in a particular area. And that's the kind of approach I would encourage any of you to have. If you want to know specific things, I mean, certainly shoot us an email. We are happy to connect with people. We do a lot of that where we connect people with experts in a particular area where you can accelerate your success rather than having to just take the slow path. Well, speaking of that little button that I pushed, I just pushed one there. That's kind of an interim that I usually use just to remind you that these are real questions that I'm responding to. I love getting the feedback from y'all. You have given us so much feedback with the survey we did recently and then the ongoing questions here and suggestions for upcoming shows. I get a lot of that as well. But if you go to 48days.com slash you'll see the form where you can submit your question. Again, that's 48days.com slash Dan. And if I use your question here, I'll be happy to send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Or another resource if you already have that and want something else. All right, now I wanna move into this area. This was prompted really from Todd. Todd's a regular long-time listener. There's a lot of ideas out of Minnesota. And he shared with me a study about the most productive ages in human life. Now, now the studies showed, and I don't know where this came from. Well, this is in the New England Journal of Science, apparently. So the studies showed that the most productive age in human life is between 60 and 70 years of age. Now, I don't want this to be discouraging to any of you. For some of you listening, obviously that's encouraging. But for some, you know, if you're 22 years old or 18, which a lot of you are, uh, may, you may think, geez, do I have to wait? No, not at all. That's not the way it works at all. But as we see how real success unfolds, that often is the case. As the study says, the second most productive stage of the human being is from 70 to 80 years of age. Third most productive is 50 to 60. The average age of Nobel Prize winners is 62 years old. You don't get a Nobel Prize when you're 23. The average age of presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63 years old. This is interesting. I didn't realize this. The average age of the pastors of the 100 largest churches in the US is 71. The average age of popes 76. Well, on and on. So <laughs> you ought to be encouraged by this because success often builds slowly over a long period of time. Now we hear people, you know, the Mark Zuckerberg's of the world who is offered a billion dollars for his company when he's 26 years old. I mean, that's pretty unusual. That's why we hear about it. It's very, very unusual. But now here's the, here's the kind of emails that we get week after week. Here's, this was from a 51-year-old businessman who said, I feel like I've lived my whole life by accident. This was a 56-year-old who had a PhD in theology, but he was currently driving a bus. And he said, "He says, Dan, I feel like I've been given six seconds to sing and I'm singing the wrong song. We often hear that phrase, you're given six seconds to sing. This is from a 53-year-old businessman. I feel like my life is a movie that's almost over and I haven't even bought the popcorn yet. I love the, 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 way, I love the way that people are so creative it created imagery for where they feel they are in life. Here's another one. 39-year-old automotive engineer who said, "I'm a butterfly caught in a spider's web with my life slowly being sucked out of me." Here I remember this so vividly. Young guy, 27-year-old computer specialist, sitting in one of our one of our events, one of our live events. He said, "I'm a box of parts and nothing fits together." Wow. I've been working on some puzzles recently and it's, it's so thrilling, you know, when the, the pieces come together and you get all the way down to that last one. It would be so frustrating to have a box of pieces where nothing fit together. It'd be really frustrating. Here's a 55-year-old dentist who said, Dan, I'm failing in my practice and it knocked the wind out of my sails. I'm still waiting for a breeze to bring me in. 32-year-old and the family business says the merry-go-round of my professional life has left me no farther than a few steps from where I got on and now with a weak stomach. Wow, those are just real phrases from people. So let me me do just a kind of a quick review here of some people that you may have heard of, some maybe not, but that are notable in their success and when it came. Harry Bernstein spent a long time writing wrote a whole lot of things. And then he wrote The Invisible Wall, a love story that broke barriers. That was an amazing success. You know how old he was when he wrote that? 96, 96. It was a memoir. He was writing about his life at that point. Anna Mary Robertson Moses, better known as Grandma Moses, began her prolific painting career at 78 years old. In two thousand and six, one of her paintings sold for one point two million. Now I've I've written about her in other places, but Grandma Moses, she when she was a little girl, she would draw things and people would comment, ooh, oh, that's nice, but you have to figure out something you're gonna do to make a living, you know, like being a secretary, which is what she did. She was a secretary and she eked out a living. When she was 78 years old, her husband died. And she thought, what do I wanna do? You know, what would I really enjoy doing in my Few remaining years, she remembered how much she enjoyed painting. Her first painting sold for more money than she had earned in her entire working career. I mean, it just breaks my heart when I think about that still, to have a God-given gift just pushed under the carpet because other people said, well, that's not practical or realistic. Yeah, if that's your talent— Let's figure out a creative way to put legs on it, not just shove it under the carpet. Nah, you can't make money doing that. Of course, Colonel Harlan Sanders, we all heard that story. He was 62 years old when he first franchised Kentucky Fried Chicken. 12 years later, he sold his his share of the business for $2 million. Uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder, I mean, she spent her life writing stories Using her educated daughter, Rose, as an editor, she published the first in the Little House series. Little House, you know, that went on all kinds of things. I mean, we, we, we know that that story well. Those stories, she wrote the first one at 65 years old. Ray Kroc spent his career as a milkshake device, as a machine that made milkshakes. He was selling those. Then he saw what McDonald's was doing and he purchased McDonald's at age 52 and then started it into what it is today. Well, Henry Ford was 45 when he created the Model T car. 45, he had done a lot of other things without a lot of success up until then. And 45, boom. Uh, Steve Carell, you know him as the comedian we all love from The Office. Has, had a lot of roles out there like the Big Short. But he didn't land that role. As Michael Scott in the office till he was forty-two years old. Julia Child worked in advertising before writing her first cookbook at age fifty, which launched her career as a celebrity. And Ariana Huffington, uh, she started the Huffington Post at age fifty-five, and then she sold that sometime later for three hundred fifteen million, and continued to leverage the success of that way beyond the 315 million. I've shared my story. I just uh, did a TV documentary series this week for a new network that's coming out. I'll tell you about that in the next couple of weeks. But uh, in that, kind of walk through some of my backstory again and the fact that I got myself back to a zero net worth, you know, absolutely zero net worth at age 53. That was a turning point for me. And it was since then that I've done pretty much everything that people know about me now, the 48 days and all the things that we've developed as ancillary products around that core message. I was age 53 when that all started. And of course, Betty White just recently passed away. One of the most award-winning comedic actresses in history. And uh, the thing that really launched her was becoming part of that cast of the Mary Tyler Moore show that happened when she was 51. Now, again, I say that I share those not to discourage those of you who are in your 20s or 30s or 40s, but uh, give you hope and inspiration that uh, success can come later than you expect it. Certainly, we want to give you all the tools to be successful. I, mean, I want my grandkids who are 14 years old to be doing things that are just rockstar success. But we're also very patient in recognizing that they'll probably experiment with multiple things before they find the one thing that really drives them the thing they're most passionate about and the thing that's most profitable for them. So as a result of this though, and working with people over years now in where they are, I've been developing my view on the stages of life. So here's kind of where I am at this point. Now I'll put this in the show notes. We'll have Sheila add this to the show notes. And it's certainly not written in concrete. This is just me, but I'm getting my head around kind of a framing of what happens in these stages of life. So identify where you are and see if it fits. The 20s I call learning. I've got a phrase that describes each decade. So this is the decade where you try lots of things to see which ones motivate you. Uh, This is often called the critical decade in which we establish spending, saving patterns. We make relational and educational decisions that are going to directly affect us for the rest of our lives. I mean, in the 20s is often where people establish spending, saving, uh, career direction, uh, marriage, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that happen often in the 20s, So, but it's a learning decade. And then the 30s I call experimenting. This is a decade where you sort out your interests to eliminate the ones that don't fit who you are. The 40s are mastering. The decade where you focus on those things you've kept after your experimenting process and developing your skills, becoming an expert in something. And then the 50s I call reaping. This is a period where you start to reap the rewards of the decisions you've made in the previous decades, and you create systems to reach your highest earning potential. The 60s are guiding. This is a decade where you mentor others with the wisdom you've gained in prior years and leverage your major life message. The 70s, leaving a legacy. This is a decade where you put things in place to live on when you're no longer here. And then the 80s, I've got maximizing your zone of genius. This is a decade where you spend 75% of your time doing the one thing you do best. So you can review those in the notes. Just go to 48days.com. We'll get the podcast. Here you can see the notes for this episode and identify where are you? How are you moving along in that pattern? and And obviously there, you know, I've got up to the 80s. I assume that I'll add to that as we see people living longer and longer. What about the nineties? What about when you hit a hundred? I, my grandson just went to Texas recently for the 100th birthday party for his grandma on the other side. And uh, no, it's great. It was his great grandma. Yeah, his great grandma, but a hundred we are seeing more and more birthday parties for those who hit a hundred. So, I'll have to add to my list of stages here. But again, we've got 20s are learning, 30s experimenting, 40s are mastering, 50s are reaping, 60s are guiding, 70s leaving a legacy, 80s maximizing your zone of genius. Now here's just kind of a a short little parable to put in your mind as as we wrap things up here today. If you plant corn, it will mature in 180 days. If you plant bamboo, it'll mature in five years. If you plant walnut trees, they will mature in 40 years. Now, let me go over that again. I'm going to give you a recommendation. If you plant corn, it'll mature in 180 days. Now, think about the way that a lot of people approach business, success, desires. I mean, when do we want it? We want it now. I mean, we don't want to talk about what's going to happen two decades from now. We want to talk about what what am I going to see the end of January this year based on what I'm doing right now? So if you don't plant corn, it'll mature in 180 days. That's six months. If you plant bamboo, it'll mature in five years. If you plant walnut trees, they will mature in 40 years. Here's my recommendation. Be doing all three at every stage of life. Be doing things that are going to give you a, a really quick return but then be doing things that you're going to see the results three to five years from now. And also be doing things that you're going to see a payoff, maybe 20 or 30 years from now. You can very realistically do that, but that's where it gets to be really fun where you are doing all of those. Now I've got a whole lot more I could share in that, but I'm going to, we'll, we'll save that for another day. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to punch one more button again. We're going to play our iconic song gifted to us. A young couple, 48 days, stuck in a jail So We'll be playing that here as I kind of wrap up. Now, as you know, you can send your questions in. You just go to 48days.com slash Dan. You'll see the pop-up there. It'll give you all the form where you can put in your question, your success story, a suggestion for an upcoming show, whatever you want there. Certainly happy to have those. Feel honored to have those come in week after week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being open to growing, for being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.